Hi, all of you wonderful scuba divers out there. Welcome to the Scuba Diver Magazine podcast, where I break down the latest scuba diving news and things that have piqued my interest over the previous week. This week on the podcast, an oil spill caused by an unidentified ship that made no distress calls in Tobago is under investigation. But luckily, they um, they seem to have found that the oil hasn't spread to any of the really popular dive sites and whatnot. Um a newly discovered shipwreck in the Black Sea is yet to be identified due to a large amount of ghost gear that needs to be removed first before they can figure it out actually what the shipwreck is. And a spooked shark collides with several scuba divers in the Maldives. So the first big news story this week is that Tobago has contained the oil spillage from a mystery ship that capsized close to the southwest coast and the dive sites in the west and northeast that have made the Caribbean islands so popular with scuba divers appear to have been left unaffected. So good news on that side, on the scuba diving side of things, uh, obviously bad news that there's an oil spillage. So 15 kilometers off the island's southern coastline, including a number of uh, beaches and a reef between Canoe Bay and the capital Scarborough, are, however, reported to have been affected by the oil leak with a consequent threat to the marine ecosystem in the vicinity. A quote from Philip Robinson, the interim CEO of the Tobago Tourism Agency, said, Thankfully, none of the popular beaches to the west, such as Store Bay or Pigeon Point, have been affected, and the Baku Marine Park has been spared. Also unaffected are the major dive sites around the island. Now, these sites are mainly around Speyside in the uh, in the northeast, while popular while the popular wreck, the uh, the Maverick, and other dive sites lie further round to the west, uh, kind of north of Baku. Quoting Robinson again, at this time I can report that the spill emanating from the ship has been contained. Crews from the National Oil Company, Heritage uh, Petroleum, the uh, the Ministry of Energy, the Tobago House of Assembly and various specialised environmental companies are working around the clock to clean up the affected areas and rescue any wildlife that may be at risk. Um, so they're, they're on it, uh, they're, they're cleaning up the uh, the mess, but it's it's a bit of a mystery. Uh, so the ship was sailing under an unidentified flag, and its crew failed to put out any emergency calls before it capsized near the Cove Eco Industrial and Business Park on the uh, Canoe Bay headland on the 7th of February. Currents pulled the wreck towards the shore, but there were no signs of life on or around the vessel, suggesting that the crew had, for whatever reason, just fled the scene. So, very, very strange. Um, With only the keel visible on the surface and identifying features submerged, the emergency services were unsure whether the vessel was a tanker carrying oil or a cargo ship or a barge shedding fuel. Um, They... All they could see was just the keel, so they didn't have much to go on. It was scuba divers working to find and plug the leakage who spotted the word Gulfstream on the side of the vessel. According to marine traffic, there is a 171-meter-long oil products tanker by that name, uh, though it has not yet been officially confirmed as responsible for the incident. It's all very strange um, why... Like, there's just this abandoned uh, oil tanker that just 
crashed. Following the capsize, the Tobago Emergency Management Agency, or TEMA, uh, reported traces of oil off the coast at Roxburgh and Bell Garden further east along the south coast, while warning people not to enter the sea to the west between Rockley and Canoe Bays. The Magdalena Grand Beach Resort was reportedly affected, whilst people in the town of Lambeau were warned to wear masks. Uh, contamination barriers were extended around the wreck to ensure that shipping could continue to access the port of Scarborough, uh, which is Tobago's capital where a cruise ship uh, has since been able to dock. Around a 1,000 people were said to have been volunteering to assist with clean-up operations. Uh, the oil spill has been officially designated a Tier 2 incident, indicating that international assistance would be sought only if local efforts were overwhelmed and it needed to be upgraded to a Tier 3. So, yeah, very odd. Um, as, as I said, they're on it. They're, they're already cleaning it up. They've already contained it. Um, but yeah, the, there's going to be a big investigation as to like what what this ship was, um, why the crew never uh, like called out for help. Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a, an interesting story going forwards. Moving over to the Black Sea, a mysterious 100-meter-long steamship wreck has been found at a maximum depth of 55 meters in Turkish waters by members of the Black Sea Divers Sport Club. But to be able to identify or date the vessel, they first need to remove the huge amounts of ghost net that shroud it. Though the, the divers have been helping out fishermen from the uh, the town of Hopa, or Hoppa uh, in the Artvin province, in the southeastern part of the Black Sea. They've been asked to clear ghost nets uh, that have been caught and said to have been killing fish and affecting catches over the wide area, so send in the scuba divers, and they actually found a wreck whilst carrying out a survey, and according to the dive team, uh, whose discovery has attracted considerable interest in Turkey, um, quote, we found a widespread wreck around 1.5 to 2 nautical miles from the coast. Uh, this is from the club president uh, Reza Birkin at a press conference covered by broadcaster IHA. What the divers found initially was the vessel's mid to stern section, uh, which they measured and found to be 53 metres long with an 11 metre beam. Um, and they also located the boilers, so they're starting to identify what the shipwreck was. Uh, the team took video footage and examined the condition of the wreck as far as they were able. Uh, but yeah, 55 metres, they had limited time down there. And typically for a, a Black Sea wreck, it was just covered in mussels for um, uh, for the parts that weren't obscured by netting. So they're competing with this um, uh, with this natural fouling, and then you have the uh, the ghost gear as well. So it's very difficult to uh, to try and like find those identifying features. Uh, quoting again from Birkin, uh, we determined that the nets surrounding the wreck were causing harm to marine life with many organisms becoming entangled. Approximately 1.5 metres of the wreck is buried in the seabed with 4.5 to 5 metres above it. The first step is to remove the nets. The club vice president has estimated that some 10 tonnes of netting could need to be removed to give the divers a chance to, of actually identifying the vessel uh, from nameplate and its cargo. This needs to be done as quickly as possible to also remove the ghost nets to, uh, to save marine life, he said, uh, because hundreds of fish had already been caught in the netting. 
and the mayor of the uh, the nearby coastal city of uh, Rees or Rize, uh had offered to help in arranging the ghost net clearance operations. That's pretty cool, and it's nice to see the the fishermen are calling the uh, the scuba divers to remove the ghost net. Um, ideally, there wouldn't be ghost nets there in the in the first place, but it's obviously affecting their fish stock, and they're aware of it. So the more information that the uh, the ghost net divers can get, um, yeah. But of course, it takes a lot of time and a lot of like expertise to be able to survey the wreck, to be able to remove it safely, and then what do you do with the net? Uh, luckily, the uh, the local mayor is uh, is helping out with that. In some slightly warmer waters, just weeks after after a US scuba diver was badly injured by a boat propeller at a dive site close to the Maldives. Um, guests from another liverboard have had a frightening encounter with a spinner shark at a nearby dive site. A video has been released that during a staged feed using a baited container, one shark became entangled in a weighted downline and then panicked, uh, spooking the other sharks in the area. And a number of these sharks collided with divers, uh, guests on the liverboard, the I think it's the Mina 2, uh, many of whom were in like mid-water hovering at the time. At least one diver was said to have sustained injuries, uh, but described as non-life-threatening injuries. Spinner sharks, uh, which are pretty similar to uh, to black tips, if you can picture a black tip, and they're, they're less than like three meters long. They're they're very like if you picture a shark in your mind it's probably going to be something looking similar to a spinner um they generally don't pose any kind of threat to humans uh they're more interested in the bait if you're bringing bait which i don't agree with but hey um they are noted for their excitement in the presence of food so yeah if you bring down a um a, a bait ball or oh, sorry, a bait box, um, then yeah, they're going to turn up. Uh, the dive site itself lies just outside of the harbour on the artificial side of Hulhumale uh, and is exposed not only to strong currents but heavy boat traffic between Male's International Airport and the resort islands where the majority of diving takes place and the incident is reported to have reignited a continuing debate about shark feeding in the Maldives. Uh, yeah go figure uh, i have seen the clip and um it's it's one of those things that just happens very very quickly and yet there's a lot of divers and yeah it, it just the shark just darts around bumps into a bunch of them um so uh, yeah it, it just it reinforces that yeah they are wild animals uh, we are in their their homes and it's all very confusing for them. Uh, it's all quite unnatural for them to have this like bait box and then divers all around them. Uh, yeah, in in my opinion, it it should never be like uh, literally baited. If you see a shark in the water, great, it's an amazing experience. Uh, but don't chase after it. Um, don't kind of surround it. Um, just kind of let it do its natural thing. And if the shark swims off, it swims off. But uh, yeah, just remember they can move a lot faster than you can. And um, yeah, if they're going to get in some kind of entanglement, uh, then yeah, they're probably going to act quite erratically. So it's best just to give them as much space as possible. Otherwise, looking at new dive equipment, uh, Aqualung announced a new mask, their Reveal Ultra Fit. Uh, so this continues their Reveal range of masks, and Ultra Fit is quite an apt name because it comes in three different sizes. It's a twin lens mask, so a pretty standard twin lens mask, but the actual silicone 
skirt comes in three different sizes, uh, five different colours. There's like a black, red, uh, the yellow is like day glow yellow with a white with a... Uh, what would you call it? Like gunmetal grey skirt, which I quite like. It's... Um, I'm not usually into like day glow yellow kind of stuff. I'm more orange, uh, but this one this one works. Uh, they have orange and white, uh, which comes with a uh, clear skirt. They're petrol blue, which is very nice, and then a like a, a blue with a clear skirt. And yeah, so if you struggle to find a mask that typically fits you, then yeah, you have like a small, medium, and large size. And that just allows better flexibility for your dive center to just like, let's just try this one. If that one doesn't quite fit, try the small uh, or try the large and uh, and vice versa. So you can find one that, that fits properly. Another one of its party tricks is that you can remove the glass lenses in it and you can replace them. They haven't mentioned it yet. They, they only say... Uh, there's a, um, they say, a, a special included tool, uh, which looks just like a, an Allen key with a um, uh, like a bottle opener <laughs> attached on it. Uh, it. It seems that, yeah, that's all you really need is a, an Allen key just to undo a couple of bolts. And then you can pop the lenses out. Now, they don't actually mention like prescription lenses, but that's really the only reason why you would need to, well, tell a lie, that's not the only reason. It's quite handy to be able to clean it. Um, especially if you work as a diver, because your mask, it gets pretty nasty, especially where the, uh, the silicone seal meets the glass in a like pool environment. Um, the little, the, the mold loves it because it's, it's warm, it's humid. Um, so yeah, you tend to get that mold growth around your, your lenses. So it's good to be able to disassemble the mask to be able to clean it thoroughly. Uh, so yeah, for longevity, as far as a mask goes, that's quite a nice feature to be able to have. Um, but otherwise, it really is limited to like fitting prescription lenses, which they haven't mentioned. So yeah, yeah, I'm not really sure which direction they're going with that. Um, it's not unusual for um, uh, for brands to, to release a mask that does this and then say, oh yeah, and by the way, we can fit prescription lenses. Um, the fact that they haven't mentioned it, don't know. Um, we, we might see prescription lenses in the future. It'll be smart of them to um, to release because it's it is quite a popular market prescription lenses in dive masks because otherwise you're you're fairly limited as far as what are your your mask choices are and this would just like round out all of the edges for the uh, for the ultra fit. So that would be quite interesting, and um, and yeah, they, they released a video with it. The uh, the buckles as well, um, I have mentioned. So it comes with a standard silicone mask strap. I mean, I say standard, it's Aqualung, so it is quite fancy in itself. But the buckles, it's a framed mask, but the buckles are attached on this, like... Um, you know, on the side of dive watches, on the, on the strap itself, you get those little waves. It's kind of like that. That's how the buckles are attached to the mask frame. So there's a bit of flexibility in it to, um, but it's still like attached to the uh, to the frame. And yeah, of course you can fit one of their. Um, can't remember what they call it. Uh, Scuba call it a comfort strap, but it's the um, it's like the ski goggle elastic fabric straps that can just attach onto it. So um, yeah, I'll be excited to uh, to try one of them out. Uh, otherwise, I think that was all. 
I had a quick um, a quick snoop around. If you remember last week, there was a um, a brand called Blackbird that had basically photocopied X Deep diving products because they wouldn't ship into Russia. Um, they, they there was there wasn't much of a song and dance, but I remember there was a um, a bit of a, a hoo ha about uh, about them announcing they're going to be at the Russian dive show. Uh, I've had a look around, couldn't see any kind of pictures or or video of any of their equipment because all the um all the only pictures were just clearly quite badly photoshopped um they they just like scrubbed out the, the x deep logo and just put their own logo over the top of their images but um no i haven't been able to see i had a good look around there there might be some somewhere but i don't speak or type russian so it's quite hard to search uh but Hey, um, if if anyone does have any um, uh, and any experience or images, uh, just send them over. I'll be quite interested to say, uh, take a look. Um, but yeah, that's about it as far as dive equipment goes. So let's dive into some Ask Mark questions. Bill Brereton, Bill Brereton two seven five seven says, uh, "Hi Mark, what's the thinking on deep stops? Please, are they a good idea, or does it just extend on gassing time?" Uh, yeah in a lot of cases so deep stops they're a bit different from um uh, from deco stops and i think the general consensus is that they're not like the done thing anymore it's um it's kind of old fashioned and yeah as you say in a lot of dive profiles they they actually increase the amount of um, nitrogen and other gases that you're absorbing into your tissues because you're still at depth, so you're still technically on-gassing. Uh, so, yeah, they can actually be a bit more detrimental, so a lot of divers don't do them. I think there are some dive profiles where they can be beneficial, but I believe, uh, it's been a long time since I looked into it, um, that it has to be quite deep and quite long so that you are literally fully saturated um, so that you can't on gas any more for them to be beneficial. Uh, but the, 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 the studies uh, are basically quite inconclusive over their benefits. So I think most of the like diving uh, dive medical professionals are basically saying, no, we don't really recommend these. Uh, there can be an instance where they are beneficial, but for most divers, uh, no, they're, they're not beneficial. That's where I believe the general consensus is at the moment. Uh, Anirud H. Padar, I'm going to say, uh, 4413 says, Hey Mark, I'm looking to buy a new dive computer as I'm getting into technical diving this year outstanding um i've been looking at reviews of the garmin mark 3i and the perdix 2ti but cannot make up my mind i usually end up diving only two or three times a year but for 10 to 15 days at a stretch i uh, would love to hear your views on which one makes most sense as a tech diver assuming no budget constraints a uh, purely functional comparison i mean the the perdix and the uh, the new version of the Perdix 2 is probably going to be the the, the the standout technical diving computer. Shearwater is widely considered one of, if not the best, technical diving computer brands out there. And their equipment is... Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to uh, to explain it. Uh, when, when you're comparing it to something like the Mark III, which is... It'll do technical diving, um, it, and it is 
pretty advanced dive computer, it does a lot of the other stuff as well. Whereas the um, whereas the Perdex focuses purely on diving and technical diving, so it has more of a focus on like diving. And it's from a, a diving brand, and their their after sales is second to none. Uh, you, you spend any time looking at dive forums talking about uh, about sheer water and looking after their customers, and yeah, you'll see so many stories of yeah, I, I sent my uh, my Terek in because it it I don't know one of the sensors failed and they replaced. Uh, they replaced the sensor, they replaced the screen because it has a tiny scratch on it. Uh, they replaced this and they did all of this free charge and just sent it back to me. Um, or like this, the, the, the I don't know, something failed and, and they replaced the entire thing. Uh, Shearwater are just standalone as far as they're, they're more focused on looking after their customers than making profits. It's it's just they, they have an awesome ethos and of course they're Canadian. Um, the... If you're in the market for a a wrist size or sorry a, a watch sized smart watch that you do wear day to day as well as diving, yeah, the Mark III I would be a nice choice. Um, it's got a lot of very clever features on it. But if you just want a dive computer that's purely going to look after your technical and recreational diving, then I'd go towards the Shearwater. Uh, I've always been a fan of the uh, the Perdix range and uh, the nice big screen, so uh, so it's really nice and easy to understand. Um, I, either way, you're going to win, basically. Uh, but I would lean a bit more towards the sheer water, unless you want something that you can wear day to day and do all of your like heart rate and fitness and all that kind of stuff. Um, then it will be more down to the uh, to the Garmin. Uh, but yeah, as I said, e- either either way, you're winning. Maurice Black, 7536, says, Hi, Mark. If price was not so super high, would you use the Atomic BC2? I'm currently looking at a new BCD and considering the Aqualung Dimension, uh, the Apex Exotech, however, the X-Deep Zen Deluxe and the Atomic BC2 are also scratching at the bed of my mind. Uh, just a full-face mask diver that dives in the Netherlands and, of course, on holidays in Egypt, Philippines, Taiwan. Uh, thanks in advance. Uh, wishing you an amazing day. Oh, thank you. Uh, wishing you an amazing day also. Um, would I dive the Atomic BC2? Yeah. Uh, it's... Yeah. It's very... Um, it's very atomic in that every single individual component is premium. And it's it's nice that it has that um, uh, like is it PVD coating? Um, no, PSD, public service diving, uh, kind of coating on all of the external fabric, so that water and contaminants can't penetrate in. As soon as you get out after the dive, the BCD is basically completely dry. Um, it does make it a little bit heavier. So if weight is an issue, then it gets a little bit annoying um but you just pack fewer clothes in your in your kit bag um i would be very happy diving with it um that cam band is really nice it's like um like snowboard uh boot bindings or something um so it's very quick just pull it and then just slam it shut whereas with a a traditional cam band you kind of have to unthread it and loosen it and then try it no that's a bit loose tighten it a bit more no that's too tight and you have to adjust it whereas this uh, is more like a ratchet strap so it's clunk clunk done um yeah it is expensive so i would be worried about like bumping into stuff um and 
I'm always an advocate for a, a backplate system because they're, they're just more future proof uh, and they're, they're more flexible. So if you do go down the, the X Deep Zen range, then if you wanted to, like move on to twin sets, then you just swap out the wing. Uh, if you damage the harness on like a Zen, then you just unthread it and re-thread a new one. You don't have to buy an entire new BCD. Whereas something like a, a BC2, a Dimension, an Exotech, uh, then yeah, if you do damage a part of it, you, you kind of have to replace the entire thing. Um, so I would I would recommend the um, the X Deep Zen because that's basically what I dive. Um, however, would I dive the Atomic B2? Certainly, uh, it is a lovely BCD. If I was like jamming in and out of wrecks or caves or something, um, then it's a I'd be a bit worried about it. It's it's tough material, but eventually. It is going to wear out, and it's going to be expensive to uh, to replace it. So, um, so I, I usually I usually recommend going down like backplates. Uh, but if you do like the uh, the BC2, yeah, go for it. It's, it's a very nice BCD. Uh, Luke C nineteen sixteen says, "Hi Mark, I want to start diving doubles this summer, and was looking to buy a wing for that purpose. I already have a backplate. Uh, just wanted to buy a bigger wing so that I could just replace the older one. Yep, that's what I was just talking about. Um, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't have to buy a whole new setup. No, you're correct. Uh, I stumbled across many different types, and I was wondering if there was a certain wing or at least a brand that you would recommend. Um, uh, my mind usually goes to X Deep and Apex." Uh, they're my personal trusted brands. Uh, there are plenty out there, as you say. Uh, I've dived uh, Mara's XR. They're relatively new. That's like the technical range for uh, from Mara's. The Scuba Pro ones, the uh, Scuba Pro X Tech. They um, when X Tech first came out, they used their like recreational power inflator which some technical diving teams weren't too keen on. They like that traditional K-style power inflator. So uh, I think the new ones have a more K-style power inflator. Um, Halcyon, always very popular and yeah, very customizable nowadays. Uh, you, uh, they've got a tie-dye um, printed wing now, which is pretty cool. Something like the Apex, uh, what is it called? W, WTX-D40T. Because uh, they did have a D40, and then they brought out the D40T, which is a bit more um, standard, if that makes sense. They um, the, they spent time with um, with divers uh, with their uh, their previous D40, and basically said, "What would you like to remove? What would you like to add?" And then they produced the uh, the D40T. Uh, so that's a very nice twin wing with everything that you need. Uh, the X Deep NX Project wing is the wing that i myself dive it's um they they remove the elbow from the um uh, from the corrugated hose that now attaches directly into the uh, the wing uh, i find it keeps me in a, in a nice position in the water and on the surface and it, it's got everything that you need um yeah just make sure that you have a separate bladder on the inside uh, make sure it's obviously built for twins, so you should have that nice large space in the center of the wing. Um, otherwise, it, it's built for, for single cylinders, and your, your twins will kind of squash it, basically. Um, the corrugated hose should come out of the center 
of the wing, uh, and ideally your uh, your kidney purge should be on the left hand side because your left side controls your buoyancy. Um, but yeah, have a look at the Apex uh, WTX D40T and the uh, the X Deep NX project. Uh, uh, no, it depends on the wing. Uh, correction, it depends on the back plate. Um, you, you've got to make sure that they line up. Uh, sorry, the uh, the holes, the grommets in the wing line up with the holes in the uh, the spine of your back plate. But a lot of back plates nowadays have a lower groove just to make it a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, otherwise, you can't go far wrong. Most brands at that kind of level are um, are pretty savvy and, and pretty well trusted. Uh, one thing that I'm not a huge fan on is uh, retainers. Um, do you call them retainers? It is like an elastic bungee loop that goes all the way around the um, uh, the wing. And they kind of they they squish it down when it's deflated. It's supposed to be so that you don't have excess flappy material when you're uh, when your wing is deflated. It tucks it in close to your body, which I get that makes sense. Um, however, when it is inflated, and if you do get a puncture, then yeah, that elastic bungee is going to squeeze any buoyancy that you have out of that wing so yeah I'm, I'm not a huge fan of that in an emergency um you may need a redundant bladder um if you dive a dry suit that's kind of a redundant uh, buoyancy system uh otherwise you can get redundant bladder wings which just have a second inflator depends on your training agency and the the type of diving that you're doing uh but for most of my twin set dives i'm in my uh in my, in my, i'm in my dry suit so um so yeah i i just use my dry suit to control my buoyancy as a, a redundant backup so i don't need one um but yeah uh, have a look around uh, the, as you say that there are plenty choices out there uh, Ironuts Parashiv28 says, uh, Hi Mark, I have a multi-part question. Awesome. Uh, regarding a long hose setup. I have a set of atomic regulators. Very nice. Uh, an M1 for my primary. Very nice second stage. And a Z2 Octo uh, configured in a traditional setup. Questions are, number one, when I switch to a long hose, do I need to put the Z2 Octo? Uh, it's not full yellow, uh, but it does have yellow tints on it. Um, and that always stays on a black hose. Uh, they're both similar in terms of breathing, but I'd rather have my M1 primary on it. And two, should I go for a traditional rubber hose or braided? Uh, I also consider the MyFlex uh, XT Tech hose for the long hose. Uh, I'm mostly concerned about float lines and, uh, uh, correction, floatiness and scratchy feeling with the braided hose. Uh, so one, no, you can put whatever second stage you want uh, in your in your primary. And yeah, I'd put the uh, the M1 your primary on your long hose because that's the one that you're going to be breathing from and then the z2 in a necklace on a short hose around my neck uh, so that you swap to that just uh, if another diver you need to donate gas to a an out of air diver there is a benefit to that because the z2 octo is probably going to be set up just an inky bit um, stiffer so it's a little bit harder to um, uh, less likely for it to free flow um so yeah, it it doesn't matter. It, they're your regulators, so you do whatever you want. Uh, personally, I'd put that uh, that M1 on the long hose and the Z2 on the short hose. Uh, and as far as rubber or braided hoses, 
Can't go far wrong with rubber hoses. Um, they've worked for decades. They're very tried and trusted. And as far as buoyancy of a long hose, yeah, they 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 stay where you put them. With a braided hose, I have dived with um, with two point one meter long braided hoses. And when they're when they're away from you, when they're not tucked in under anything, yes, they are they are buoyant so they will float up away from you but as long as you have some kind of retainer on your hip that usually holds them in place um so just make sure you get the right length hose for yourself and a retainer either a retainer bar which is um uh, apex did one and it, it was just a, a bar of delrin that you thread on your uh, on your right hand waistband a lot of divers use the battery if they're using a umbilical torch or uh, or powered heating. You have the battery on your hip, or you have a, a drop down dive knife on your hip. Tuck the hose underneath that before it goes up and around your neck, and that'll hold it in place so it doesn't float away. Uh, XT Tech is a good compromise because one, yeah, they're not scratchy. So if you are just diving somewhere warm and you don't have any kind of neoprene uh, covering your neck, yeah, those braided hoses can get a bit abrasive. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of them if I'm um, traveling. They're, they're okay. You do kind of get used to it, but it, it does kind of bug you from time to time. Uh, XT Tech, yeah, is a nice, because uh, they have like, oh, I can't remember, I think it's polyurethane coating. So it's softer. You don't get the same color choices, uh, which is a bit of a shame. I like a splash of color uh, when it comes to the hoses. Uh, however, yeah, for the sake of comfort and buoyancy, XT Tech is a, is a good compromise. So I I usually rank them rubber, XT Tech, and then um, uh, then the standard Miflex hose. Um, but yeah, whichever one is up to you. Uh, and yeah, you, you can put your uh, whichever second stage wherever you like. Uh, Jim Davidson, once, uh, 128, says, uh, I'm traveling to Kotao in the summer looking at buying a travel wing by the British company AP Valves. Yeah, uh, I've not heard them mentioned by you before. Would you recommend this wing? Yeah, I love AP Valves. Um, I actually did um, my my commercial diving course in a AP Valves BCD. Um, they You don't hear much about them because... Struth, a few years ago now, they they kind of went direct to customers and pulled themselves out of um, uh, dive centers. So you didn't see their branding as much just all around. It was only people who went specifically to AP Valves for AP Valves, um, which, yeah, I don't know, I feel it was a little bit too early. A lot of brands nowadays are direct to customers nowadays, uh, which is quite detrimental for dive centers because it used to be if you wanted to buy whatever it was from this brand, you'd have to go to a local dealer. Now with the internet and everything, you can just go directly to the dealer. Um, you don't tend to get as much like discount and stuff for, uh, direct, but of course the um, uh, the markup for the uh, for the individual brand is much better because um, you're cutting out the middleman. Um, but as far as the brand, yeah, uh, tough as nails. Um, you, know, you look at any BZAC club and you'll see these um, uh, these BCDs that have lasted for years, uh, many many dives. They do discolor. Uh, you'll see a lot of them are brown now, um, but you'll get a lot of use out of it. Uh, the travel wing, yeah. Um, from memory, it's a it's a wing style um, 
uh, travel wing uh, stripped down. So fewer fancy bells and whistles, but it'll um uh, it'll serve you perfectly fine uh lighter materials so it, it'll be a little bit more fragile but as long as you're not like you know brushing up against anything too sharp like shipwrecks in the reef uh it should last for a long long time uh yeah they, they are a good trustworthy brand and um yeah they've been going since through the 70s i think uh so yeah they they know what they're doing but i i don't think i mentioned that much because they don't change very much um it's a bit like poseidon they they have their designs and their designs work they they don't have like a a new version every year uh they just kind of stick to uh to what they know and it is these tried and trusted designs uh but yeah no they're um they're, they are a trustworthy brand and finally magic by vincent uh 2297 um i'm trying to make the l- smallest lightest travel setup that i can because i'd like to fit everything in a carry on with that in mind my first stage only has two hoses coming off of it yep uh along with a transmitter yep that can be done uh the first goes to my primary Second stage, which I'm switching to a Miflex hose after learning about it in one of your videos. Uh, the second video goes to my Scuba Pro Air 2. Uh, I would like to switch that to a Miflex hose as well, but I'm getting conflicting or confusing advice about whether or not I can switch the second hose to Miflex because of the connection at the Air 2. Uh, y- my ask mark question simply boils down to this can i use a miflex hose uh if it will be connecting to an air 2 uh would could anything special be needed uh, to order uh for the answer to be yes um yeah that's one of the cool things about scuba pro quick disconnect and low pressure inflators is that every scuba pro low pressure hose is a scuba pro regulator hose so You'll notice at the um, wherever a Scuba Pro hose goes into a second stage, Scuba Pro has a very dedicated. Um, I don't know if it has a, a special name, but it's like a um, how to describe it? Crenellated, um, like ribbed nut. Instead of just having a standard six-sided hexagonal nut, it has lots of little teeth all the way around it. And you'll have that exact same nut attached to a quick disconnect fitting for your Air 2. The same with their BCDs. If you have a look at your Scuba Pro BCD hose, it has that three, uh, like three banded section that you can retract. And then above that, you'll see a, a standard six sided nut. And then right next to that, this like, crenellated nut and that's scoop pro specific uh there is a dedicated tool to uh, to remove it you can use a standard like mole grip or something you just have to be very careful because it's chrome plated brass it's very very easy to scratch it if you're not using the correct tool so i usually use an old bit of um of nylon webbing from bcd um and yeah wrap that around Hold on to uh, hold on to that nut, and then just use a, a normal spanner or a wrench to uh, to to remove it. And yeah, you can remove that quick disconnect fitting, and that's a standard nine sixteen nine sixteenth inch thread, uh, which is a standard regulator second stage thread, and you can attach it onto any regulator hose. Um, Scoop the Scoop Pro technician who came up with that is a genius. Um, otherwise, you literally have to. Um, just get a standard DIN 
uh, quick disconnect fitting. And um, of course, that won't work with an air two. You need the airflow to uh, to be able to breathe from it because it's effectively your alternate. Um, so yeah, uh, you can buy them. The uh, sorry, I should specify you can buy the um, the Scuba Pro tool. I think Scuba Pro still make a, a multi tool, and it has this. Um, uh, yeah, the fitting for that crenellated Scuba Pro nut. Um, they are quite useful. They have a few, um, uh, what you call it, uh, uh, Allen keys and things on it, a few extra tools. Um, but yeah, that, that one tool to remove those Scuba Pro nuts. If you have one, it's really useful. Uh, if you don't, you can do it just with a normal um, uh, pair of pliers or whatever. Just be very careful because it's very easy to uh, to take that chrome off and it looks kind of nasty. Uh, but yeah, you can you can fit that um, uh, uh, Air Two quick disconnect fitting to a standard Miflex regulator hose. Um, yeah, it's is pretty easy, and I'll um, I'll show you in a video. Um, yeah, that, that that's an amazing move by uh, by Scuba Pro, basically. All of their hoses are regulator hoses, and then it's whether it has the uh, the quick disconnect fitting attached or not. Otherwise, that's it uh, for the week. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, we still got the Go Diving show uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. We just added uh, X-Deep and all of their brands, so we're getting Seal, uh, the Seal Dry Suit, the SL01. If you want to see it in person uh, and talk to them about it, you can do that at the Go Diving show. Uh, they also are... Um, I think they're partnered or XDeep bought. I, I forget the um, uh, the organization, uh, but it XDeep basically own Kiss rebreathers as well. Uh, so if you're uh, if you want to look at a Kiss rebreather, uh, they've got them as well. Uh, so yeah, exciting brands. I spent quite a lot of time at their um, at their stand last year at the Go Diving Show. I was quite intrigued by their new um, backplates. So they. Um, They've basically got this ceramic shield coating on their um, uh, on their XD backplates, which is pretty cool. Uh, I only saw it in like a matte white, which is quite funky. Uh, but they are looking at other colors, so um, I imagine we'll start to see that more and more going forwards. Um, but otherwise, yeah, tickers are available now. Uh, if you go to godivingshow.com and uh, we, we have a few different ticket styles for, for the Saturday and the Sunday. Uh, we also have a late admission ticket if you don't want to um, to see all of the, the workshops and the uh, and the demonstrations and things. If you just want to like talk to the stands, uh, you can buy equipment. There are a few retailers. Uh, then, yeah, there's a late admission ticket, which is a bit cheaper. Um, so, yeah, just head over to godivingshow.com. Otherwise, check out our website, scubadivingmag.com. Check out our magazine. Subscribe to the channel here. Thank you for listening, everybody. And, of course, safe diving.